0: Hey there, Brandon Harvey here. I have an exciting announcement. A lot of you have reached out, you've DM'd me, you've emailed our team saying, I love the podcast, I love the newspaper, I love good, good, good. But I would love to really get to connect with other people who also love these things. I feel like we would have so much in common. Is there any way we can do that? And to be honest, we haven't always had a great answer for that. We've said, oh, well, you can connect with people in our Instagram comments. We're going to do live events next year and and you can come to those. But none of those were really filling the need that a lot of people had of wanting to connect with these other people who care about feeling more hopeful, paying attention to the things that matter in the world and doing more good. And so I am so excited to announce the brand new launch of The Neighborhood. The Neighborhood is the brand new exclusive community space for the good, good, good community. It's the ultimate place to connect with hope seekers and world changers, to share good news, to talk about the books, products, nonprofits, podcasts we love, and to help each other make a meaningful difference in the world. We've actually been in kind of a beta launch for about two months now, and it has been so incredible. And we just made it public last week. To get access to the neighborhood, you just have to be a good, good, good subscriber. And many of you already are. And if not, all you have to do is go to goodgoodgood.co slash membership. And you can sign up to become a member right then and there. And the great thing is, all members get access to the good newspaper. You get access to exclusive discounts to brands doing good. You, of course, now get access to the neighborhood. And you help support the work that we do at Good 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 and also this podcast. Sounds good. So one more time, we have launched a brand new community space for the Good 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 community. And we want you to be a part of it. We want you to join this. So all you have to do is go to goodgoodgood.co and sign up to become a Good 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 member. And from there, you will be immediately prompted to join the neighborhood. And you can go and connect with all of the amazing folks who are already there. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And can't wait to see you in the neighborhood. Juneteenth was only recently declared a national holiday, but folks have been celebrating its importance for decades. The day has its origins in Texas when Black slaves were declared free by the 1862 Emancipation Proclamation. But the meaning of Juneteenth spans greater than a single day or state. It's also a day to reflect on the history of Black people in America and what freedom looks like then and now. This is Sounds Good. I'm Brandon Harvey. I am joined today by Professor Annette Gordon-Reed. She is a big deal. She's so cool. In addition to being an accomplished American historian and a professor at Harvard University, Professor Gordon-Reed is the recipient of the Pulitzer Prize for history. (laughs) I think that she is officially our first Pulitzer Prize winner to be on the podcast. I'm getting nervous now if we've had a previous Pulitzer Prize winner on the podcast, I apologize. But she's written numerous books throughout the course of her career. But most recently, she penned this beautiful book called On Juneteenth to start a dialogue about what Juneteenth truly means. Since last summer's nationwide protests against police brutality and white supremacy, more Americans than ever are celebrating Juneteenth and educating themselves on what the day's significance is. In her new book, Professor Gordon-Reed dives into the history of slavery in Texas, misconceptions about the holiday, and seamlessly weaves her own family's story into this book. It's so beautifully written. I had the opportunity to speak with Professor Gordon-Reed about her own upbringing and how she and her family spent Juneteenth in Texas and what it means to see Juneteenth embraced on such a large national scale. What I appreciated most about our conversation is professor gordon reed's attention to nuance in discussing sensitive topics while also bringing her full personality and humor into the conversation and my hope is that this episode will inspire all of us to appreciate the full history of juneteenth and all of the landmarks of black liberation in america this was such a fun episode i really enjoyed it i hope you do too let's jump straight into it Professor Gordon-Reed, you grew up in Texas and have celebrated Juneteenth year after year for much longer than many Americans have known the day existed. And so I want to start off by asking, what does Juneteenth mean to you?
1: Well, it means to me uh, the day that we commemorate the end of slavery in Texas. And it was a day of celebration, a day for fun for me as a kid. I, I think back to my Childhood celebrating Juneteenth typically. And it was a day where we ran around and drank too much soda water and <laughs> uh, ate barbecue and played with friends and threw, threw firecrackers, even though we probably should have been playing with matches and firecrackers. But that was a different era, <laughs> a different <laughs> era of parenting. It was a day of family. It was sort of, I sort of thought of it as a kid as almost like a black version of July 4th, even though we celebrated July 4th as well this was sort of our special day. And that's what I think of. It's a, of course, I'll have to think of it differently now, but it was a day that Black Texans celebrated uh, the end of slavery in the state.
0: And how did you feel as you saw the holiday kind of grow beyond, you know, just Texas to being celebrated more and more? And then, of course, this year, seeing it recognized on such a large scale?
1: Well, you know, I felt a little bit of possessiveness about it. I was a, ty- a tad resentful at the idea that other people were celebrating this because it had always been a mark of uniqueness um, for me And thinking about Black Texans, that we were special in a way. And it took me a long time to realize that what had happened was that as Black people, some Black people left Texas they took the holiday with them. They didn't forget about it and they began to celebrate it in their new homes and other people heard about it. And so this was Texans carrying the story to other people. And, you know, as I thought about it, it made no sense to be possessive about it because it was a good thing, right? And you want as many people as possible to share in what, you know, actually is sort of what a a step on the, you know, in terms of progress, uh, for human rights, uh, the end of slavery in in a state, uh, in, a, in the largest state of the union. It wasn't just about the Texans, but it was about the United States. And I think ultimately, it's a, a step in human rights in general, and and everybody should be willing to celebrate that.
0: It's been really fun for me to see just this growth of celebrations. And I feel like I, I was kind of new to it last year or the year before. And just getting to feel like this is something that I feel excited to celebrate because it's, I don't know, there's something about some holidays in the U.S. where it feels very one-dimensional. And this is a holiday that feels very two-dimensional. And it's its true in a, in a very complicated way because it holds on to both the pain of this brutal history, but also kind of a sense of purpose at the same time, or it holds on to heartbreak, but also onto hope. And I'm curious about your thoughts on that, unique tension. How do you manage that tension or think about that tension?
1: Well, I think it's it's built into it. It's built into the day because even if you know about or think about the way people who heard the news that they were no longer going to be treated as property, meaning, you know, they couldn't legally be sold and separated from family and, you know, husbands from wives, mothers from children and so forth, which was a trauma of slavery. And even though they heard that that wasn't going to happen, they knew it was going to be a struggle. So it, it's sort of inherently this um, day of celebration, but at the same time, a sense of purpose has to go to go along with it, and that's always been a part of the celebration. I mean, uh, the Emancipation Day picnics they used to have, and the way people gathered when they did it—not just at their homes, but in public places—you know—featured speeches and songs, and you know, the history was recounted and as was, you know, the, the notion that we still had to go forward. There was still a struggle. There were things to be done. So I think this is a holiday that is, and I've said it, is tailor-made for history and remembering. And it requires you to think about the story. What happened? Who were the people who were involved? What happened afterwards? So I'm, you know, I've had a number of people express concern about the possibility that this will become just another day, you know, a day off and, you know, white sales, mattress sales, so forth, that kind of thing that will it will surely come to be a feature of it at some point in the, fu- in the future. But, you know, the benefit is that we've been celebrating this for 156 years in Texas, and people know how to do that. It's, I think, with the King holiday, we're still trying to figure out what to do besides, you know, playing his I Have a Dream speech and recounting those things that are important. But you know, we have we have a memory and a history with this holiday and that people can look to and draw inspiration, draw ideas about celebrations, but always keeping the history at the forefront.
0: Yeah, it's really anchored into our rich history in Texas. And it, it would take, you know, another 150 years to offset that it seems. And so that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, I know that you grew up celebrating Juneteenth and you of course are an incredibly talented and thoughtful historian and writer, but where did these two things intersect for you? Where did your interest in Juneteenth as a historian begin?
1: Well, I did an essay for the New Yorker last year, uh, June 2020, um, that came out then. And about Juneteenth. And it had me talk and I talked a little bit about my upbringing and my childhood and also the the holiday, the history behind the holiday. And I'd also done a review for the New York Review of Books of five books about Texas uh, some months before then. So Texas was sort of on my mind and those two things together. And here I was in the middle of the pandemic, uh, stuck in my apartment here Uh, like everybody else in the world, quarantined off. And I had time to think about life. And and it it made me think about my parents who are no longer living. And I started thinking about what they would make of the particular moment we were in, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, uh, that the world was being held hostage pretty much by this virus. And I missed them. And I wanted to make a connection to them. So I decided to write something about this. Uh, I thought June, my editor mentioned this as well, that Juneteenth might be a good way of a jumping off period for a discussion. But I didn't want it to be just a memoir. I didn't want it to be just, and this happened to me, and then this happened to me, and then this happened to my family. I wanted to use my family as a jumping off point to talk about Texas. Texas as an entity, as a state, and the history of Texas, so I got the idea of melding you know taking my family's story, as I said as a jumping off point to talk about important things in texas history because texas i 've spent a lot of my time since i 've been in the north from many, many years after I went to college and then law school and then settled here in in the north i 've had to explain Texas to a lot of people i 've had the occasion to say, you know what 's going on with that?" And so here, I just thought that this would be a good way to do it. And my editor and I have been talking about doing a big book about Texas over the years. Uh, But I wanted this to be small, more intimate, more personal, but at the same time, not focusing in on my family too much, just enough to start a conversation about things that I wanted people to know about the state of Texas.
0: Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, Professor Gordon-Reed talks about what exactly we're celebrating on Juneteenth and how we can keep the spirit alive on other calendar days too. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Sounds Good is sponsored by Libro FM. Now Libro FM is the company that lets you support a local bookstore every time you download an audiobook. Last week was Amazon Prime Days and I saw this big conversation happening online and you probably did too about maybe we don't need to support this giant multinational corporation that doesn't pay very much in taxes and instead we should focus on supporting small businesses wherever we can and you know the emphasis is on wherever we can because I understand the convenience of Amazon I don't expect everybody to just completely give it up but Libro FM is a really easy way to transition a little bit away from Amazon to businesses in your community and why is that because many people listen to audiobooks through Audible which is owned by Amazon and Audible is, you know, a smooth running app. It's the one that everybody's heard of. So that's what people use. But here's the amazing thing: Libro FM has all the same audiobooks, the exact same price, an incredible app that works so good, and it supports a local bookstore every time you download an audiobook. So it's kind of a no-brainer to make the transition over. And here is the best part. Libro.fm is offering Sounds Good listeners the opportunity to get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership when you use the code GOOD. This is going to make your transition so seamless. Go cancel your Audible subscription and use the code GOOD to get two audiobooks under Libro.fm and that money will go directly to supporting a local bookstore of your choosing. All you have to do is visit their website, Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O.fm, and use promo code GOOD to get started with two audiobooks to help support small businesses and to help support this show. Sounds Good is sponsored by Bev. Okay, so we all know that it's hot girl summer, hot backs summer. For me, it's me and my dog sitting on my hot front porch summer. So I guess hot porch summer. Um, And you know what goes great with all of these summers, these hot summers, is a delicious can of wine. And where should you get that wine from? Well, it's from Bev, the female-founded canned wine brand, on a mission to transform the alcohol industry as we know it. They're making a difference by creating a voice for women where there has never truly been one in the alcohol industry. And they're doing so in a kind and approachable way. Now, what do they have? They've got four varietals, Rosé, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir. They also have their little secret one that you can get if you're a Bev Club subscriber. It's called Glitz. It's their sparkling wine. So good. All of their wines are crisp, dry, a little fizzy. They're super refreshing and delicious. And they're all zero sugar with just three carbs and 100 calories per serving. Again, perfect for hot grill summer, hot porch summer, hot back summer, whatever it is for you. And here's the great news. We worked out a special deal for Sounds Good Podcast listeners where you can receive 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping on all orders by going to drinkbev.com and using the promo code GOOD20 at checkout. That's drinkbe com and use the code GOOD20 to get some delicious wine for your hot whatever summer. Did you find that there were some key misconceptions about Texas or some key misconceptions about Juneteenth that you knew that you had to grapple with, that you knew you had to use this book to push back against?
1: Well, first on on Texas, push back against the idea of Texas as just the West, Mm. Texas as a place of cowboys or Texas as a way of uh, Texas as being about oilmen. If you've seen the film Giant or you know what that is or read the novel by Edna Ferber, that is the kind of quintessential presentation of Texas. It presents a history of Texas. Once there were these, you know, cattlemen, people who were, you know, dealt with cattle and their way of life was eclipsed by the sort of, you know, crass uh, wildcatting oilmen. And those are the two figures in Texas. But no one talks about The other figure, which would be the plantation owner, and the plantation owner necessarily invites a discussion about the institution of plantations and the institution of slavery. And the presentation that leaves that out, leaves out Texas as a slave society and also leaves black people out of the picture. And so I wanted to bring that back in so that people can see that a lot of the things that are happening in Texas, a lot of the things, questions that come out about this place grow out of, the, of that society. So that is, that is the story that I wanted to expand on, on Texas. I say that Texas is constructed as a white man. Texas has a gender and a, and a race, and it's a white guy and a white man. And there are people there who live there who are obviously not white men. They're white women and black women and black men and, and Latino people, indigenous people. And I wanted to expand the picture of what Texas was like. Also on the question of Juneteenth, the story is always presented as if black people that enslaved people had no idea there was such thing as emancipation proclamation and whites were keeping it from them. And so Gordon Granger comes to Galveston, June 19th, 1865, and he's telling them this, the great news that nobody knew anything about. Well, that's not really the case. Uh, what happened is that Granger gets there in June. This is you know, a couple of months after Appomattox, after Lincoln has been assassinated. And many people think that the end of the war was Lee's surrender at Appomattox Courthouse, that that's what is all over. But that's not what happened. The Confederates kept fighting and the Army of the Trans-Mississippi kept fighting well into May. And in fact, the last battle of the Civil War they won, but they knew that they have may have won that battle, but the war, the overall war was hopeless. And so they surrender at the beginning of June. And then that's when Granger can go into Galveston and take, not just, he didn't go there just to make this announcement. He was there with the troops to take over, to, you know, to, take control of Texas, which would now be brought back into the Union, or Lincoln thought he'd never left, but <laughs> you know, a rebellion, they thought it was illegal, but they would take over uh, in Texas. So this idea of the unknowledgeable, the unknowing enslaved person, and I think the story is told that way to try to, to, try to enhance the villainy of slave owners, that they were keeping this from people. Well, you don't really have to you don't have to do anything to make them not villainous. I mean, to make them, it'd be hard to, to, you don't need any any embellishment there. So, but it's, the villainy was in keeping fighting, you know, keeping up the fight, even after things were over and going to sort of the last ditch effort to maintain their way of life, which was essentially a system of slavery. So those two things, Texas, the sort of, you know, construction of Texas as this white space, outside of the South, and then Juneteenth, a story of unknowing people who certainly have the light brought to them, when in fact they knew. I mean, the recollections of people, uh, you know, say and indications say that these people knew what was happening, uh, what was going to happen there, and uh, this was just a fulfillment of it. it. It shows you that, I mean, Juneteenth is really about a military victory, the result of a military victory That was made possible by, in part, by the influx of Black troops, um, enslaved men who ran away and joined the Union Army and helped defeat the Confederacy. That is so fascinating and so incredible. And I think that there
0: is something special about the fact that, I mean, you brought this up earlier, that you know we get to use this day as an opportunity to remember this story and to to learn and to kind of hold on to this complicated narrative and i love that last year i learned more than i knew the year before this year thanks to you i'm learning more than i knew last year and i hope that that just continues and this becomes more rich
1: oh yeah oh it definitely will i mean i just i grew up thinking of galveston for example just as a as a beach town. And I I knew that my great grandfather went there to work on the wharves. You know, he would go, he would leave his cotton farm and go there to make extra money, you know? And so that was the only two things that I thought about Galveston, but from doing research for this book, such as I could do it here in my apartment, uh, you know, most of the things were online, Uh, but I would like to go there and really Mm. go through and, and try to dig deeper. I'm fascinated by the black community in that place. Black men who were working on the wharves in the late 19th century, in the early 20th century, who had a union and who were active in politics to the extent that they could be. So I guess I'm just agreeing with you. There's going to be a lot more that we will find out about this this place and that we'll find out about this holiday too. What I like about what you just said is that uh, we are going to learn a lot more, but you are going to learn it
0: as a historian and then we are going to learn it from you. And (laughs) for that, I am very grateful. I've got two last questions uh, before we wrap. Uh, The first is it's such a celebratory moment that we get to honor this as a federal holiday. But, you know, we also hold this tension of the fact that there is still so much more work to be done. And there are many other bills that, you know, many of us wish had been signed uh, that, you know, tangibly help people uh, in this country, black people in this country more than, you know, just making a holiday. How can we hold on to both of those things at once and celebrate this thing while also, you know, pushing for this other legislation?
1: Well, we just have to do it. You know, we have to do it. We do it all the time in our lives. We hold, you know, these kinds of tensions. The holiday is important. It's symbolically important. I think we can do all the education that we talk about. But the voting rights, those things are existential Uh, crises at the moment, I think. I mean, they're serious and just heard that they've blocked um, the bill. Uh, We're going to keep working on that. I don't know if we will be successful, but we will.
0: That's great. I think that's so important. And then lastly, you know, Juneteenth was last week. I know that many of the interviews that you have, you know, that have aired so far, were you getting interviewed and talking about this before the day happened? And so I just want to wrap up by asking, how was your celebration this year, and how did it feel different from last year's if it did?
1: Well, it felt very different. I mean, first, I, I was, I'd gone down to Washington for the signing, and I had to stay there um, because I, you know, I had had a lot of uh, interviews and I couldn't get back. So I basically set, spent the day in the hotel Friday uh, <laughs> doing interviews. <laughs> And uh, came back on Saturday and had more interviews to do. So it was a combination of work and fun. I was talking to people on Juneteenth about Juneteenth, uh, people who were interested in it. Um, uh, We got barbecue and red soda, and uh, we did those kinds of things. But it was it was a more relaxing holiday. I really want to to do it up next year. I'd like to maybe go down to Texas and if I you know do some things, visit relatives, and maybe do some events. Uh, and attend some, maybe go to Emancipation Park uh, down in Houston again, uh, but this time this was more low key. Uh, although we did our ritual food items, it was more, it was a day of talking to other people and answering questions about Juneteenth, which was fun.
0: Pulitzer Prize winner Professor Annette Gordon-Reed on her new book on Juneteenth. You can order the book from your local bookstore through bookshop.org, or you can download the amazing audiobook. I do highly recommend the audiobook. It's really beautifully narrated. Of course, you can find that at libro.fm and use the promo code good to get a good, good, good discount. Even though Juneteenth has passed for the year 2021, the fight for civil rights is still ongoing. A few ways to honor Juneteenth the entire year is continuing to educate ourselves about the history of slavery and supporting educators like Professor Gordon Reed. This podcast was created by Good Good Good. At Good Good Good, we help you feel more hopeful and do more good. You can find more good news and ways to make a difference in our weekly email newsletter, our beautiful print good newspaper, or online at goodgoodgood.co. You'll remember that you can become a Good 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 member, get access to the Good Newspaper, and join our digital community, The Neighborhood, by becoming a Good 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 subscriber. Just go to goodgoodgood.co slash membership. This episode was created by Sarah Lee, Megan Burns, and me, Brandon Harpin. It was edited and sound designed by the team at SoundOn Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. Please make sure to hit the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can get a new episode of Sounds Good delivered straight to your phone each Monday while you sleep. And if you have a favorite episode of the show, share it on your Instagram stories. It helps get the word out about celebrating good news and taking good action. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and learn one more new fact about Juneteenth. And we'll be back next week with more good news and good action. Sound good?